0: Hello and welcome to our Pipeline to Profitability podcast. I'm Alan Ferguson. Now, today I have uh, someone who I have been uh, keenly following for many years. Uh, I have Weldon Long with me. And uh, Weldon is the best-selling author, entrepreneur, mindset expert. Weldon Long built his business from the ground up. But his story doesn't reflect the typical path of the average business owner you would expect to hear. In 2003, Weldon walked out of a homeless shelter after serving 13 years in prison, a ninth grade dropout, and three-time convicted felon. He found himself broke and unable to gain employment. Despite this bleak history, in five short years, he has built a contracting company from zero to 20 million that was selected by Inc. Magazine as one of the fastest growing private companies in America. And today it's about mindset and uh, welcome uh, Weldon and you're going to tell us all about the selling mindset, right? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Alan. Very excited to be here. Great to see you. My pleasure, my man. Um, So you might like to expand on a little bit about Weldon and how your journey over the years has led you to where you are now, which is a very successful author, motivational speaker, and yep. uh, and I have to say, after meeting you, a goddamn nice guy as well. So how's that?
1: Over <laughs> to you, my friend. I, I appreciate that, man. I enjoyed spending some time with you last week out in Las Vegas, and uh, yeah, you kind of gave a a, a really uh, good summary of the uh, of the story. You know, this part of my life is is really really good. I've written three books, as you mentioned. I have an amazing family, and. Uh, A lot of success along the ways we would normally, I guess, define success. But I came from a place of poverty and struggle and uh, some very difficult times. And it was, you know, you mentioned that 13 years in prison. That was over three different trips. I was 23 years old in 1987 and pulled a gun on a guy, went to prison for about four years, got out. They paroled me and uh, made it about a year and a half, went back a second time for a couple of years, got out again, uh, made it about two years, went back uh, for seven years on the third trip. But it was during that third trip in uh, June of 1996, I remember the day like it was yesterday, June 10th, 1996, when a cop walked in my cell house and called me aside and told me my father had just died. And that was my moment of clarity, the realization of what I had done to my family, uh, my the realization of what I'd done to myself and just the condition of my life. At that time, I had a, a young son that I had fathered when I was out on parole and had abandoned him. And I just kind of hit that wall And decided I was going to make a change in my life. And I had seven years left to go. I had seven years left in prison when this happened. But I made that commitment to become the man my father could have been proud of. And to be the father my son deserved. And uh, and that's where it started. Seven years later, after doing an awful lot of work. (laughs) We can get into the details of what that was. I walked out to a homeless shelter, as you mentioned. Got a job in the HVAC industry. Uh, A year later, started my own company. Grew that. Sold it in 2010. And uh, I'm actually I have another company now three years ago, opened another one just because I'm a glutton for punishment. And that company uh, is in its fourth year. We'll do 10 million this year. So, you know, we've learned how to scale these companies quickly and profitably. And and uh, this industry has been amazing to me. Uh, Everything I have, I owe to this industry. And uh, it's just a good thing that this is a very forgiving industry because my story is only in America and might be only in America in the residential services industry. Because, you know, IBM wasn't hiring me. Xerox wasn't hiring me. Microsoft was not going to hire me, but I found a job and uh, made the best of it.
0: I just wanted to say um, you are, you have got follows down under, I don't know how many, but I was one of them. So at least you've got one follower, but um, I, um, I used to bring a lot of my staff. We, you know, we'd, we'd come to all the trade shows from Australia and uh, you know, like 20 hour flight sort of thing. And, um, and I used to, Always talk to my staff about your story and where you've where you've come from, and I, and I, and I think it's an amazing journey. Um, and uh, just the HVAC plumbing electrical industry we play, play in home services. Um, it's a beautiful industry, amazing people. We know all the same people. We know all the greats. You know the right. the Frank Blowers and uh, the Ron Smiths and the Joe Cunninghams and the Joe Casaras. All of these people have carved uh, the way for um, us um, to have a fucking great career, and uh, it's you know you know yourself. There's a lot going on in the industry right now with yeah. um, private equity consolidation. So, but I'd love to hear a bit about you. You're a sales guy, as am
1: I, um, yeah. and I'd love to hear a, your thoughts on that on yeah. on, on selling. So, you know, there's a lot of things we have to do to be successful in our industry. Uh, one of those, of course, is sales, right? If you look at kind of the, the, the four core functions of a business, it's sales and marketing, operations, human resources, and finance. And so you got to be, you know, involved in all of those. You don't have to be an expert in all of them, but you have to be educated enough, uh, uh, for example, to have an, an educated conversation with your CPA about your financials. Uh, my, my focus is really the sales part, although we do consulting across all the business functions, but really, the sales process is where I, I like to live. And when you think about the sales process, there's the sales process. And everybody has a sales process. There's 150 guys out there teaching it today on Facebook, I promise you. And they're they're all mm-hmm. teaching variations of the same theme. Build a relationship, investigate the problem, solve the problem, and ask for the damn order. Right? There's your sales process. But with me, I look at two bookends to the sales process. And so one of those is what I call the prosperity mindset. Uh, a, a topic I've written a lot about, in the power of consistency, which is one of my books. It's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. And the mindset precedes an effective sales presentation. The mindset to thrive in the face of adversity. The mindset to take responsibility. Uh, the mindset to prosper in the face of difficulty. That's one of the bookends. The other bookend to the sales process to be successful is the is the concept of consistency itself. Finding what works and executing on a consistent basis. You know, you mentioned some of the greats. Jim Rohn was one of those. And Jim used to say that success, prosperity, wealth, it's all about doing the ordinary things extraordinarily well. You know, it's it's not about the scope of the big things we do. It's about the consistency with which we do the little things. And so in sales, if you have the right mindset and you're executing on the right process and doing that on a consistent basis, you are, in effect, thinking the right things and doing the right things on a consistent basis. You can only create the right results right? You cannot create the wrong results from the right thinking and the right behaviors, right? A lot of times we like to act like it's out of our control, but it really isn't. If you think the right things and do the right things, you're going to get the right things. And so I'm a big believer in uh, in the sales mindset. We'll talk more about that because when people hear sales mindset, they hear high pressure, pushy snake oil. And that's not what it's about. That's not what the sales mindset is about. And, And we can talk more about that. I'll give you some examples of some of the greatest sales mindsets. From some of the most humble, non-high-pressure people I've ever met in my life.
0: Fantastic! I um something that comes to mind, and I'm and I'm and I'm going to uh, see if we've got enough time for this. But a couple of things uh, we both have. Um, I mean, Joe Cunningham has been my mentor for the last ten years, and Joe Cunningham uh, was mentored by Jim Rowan, uh, Zig Ziglar, people that he knew personally. Called them friends as well as Tom Hopkins, and I know you know Tom, and I I was blessed to have met Tom and spent some time at his place in, uh, in Phoenix, um, yeah. and uh, what an amazing man. He shared the story of his uh, shirts that were made personally by Nelson Mandela, and uh, I was just blown away by what a genuine guy he was. Now, Tom is regarded as one of the greats, right? Yeah. But um, something that really stuck... Um, and I hope this doesn't throw you off topic too much, but something that really stuck with me, and I'm trying to trying to keep a straight face here. You talk about mindset and uh, and um, building a motorcycle from parts and accidentally baking. Yeah, I, I hope yeah. you've got time to share that story because that really. Sure. That that really uh, impressed me, but sorry, Weldon, I had to jump in. And uh, back to you, my friend, um, yeah. the selling mindset, and it is mindset, right. in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I want to give an example of one of the most uh, uh, effective sales mindsets I've ever seen, and I learned it from a guy named Joe. Joe the Concrete Guy was the name of his company. For years, I lived up west of Colorado Springs, up in the mountains, in a little mountain town called Woodland Park, Colorado, about 5,000 people, 9,000 feet elevation, just a beautiful little mountain town. And so every day I would have to leave Woodland Park and drive down the mountain pass and come down here to Colorado Springs, where I had my company. And uh, every day I would drive past a little restaurant called the Hungry Bear Restaurant. It's still there to this day. And I would see this Ford pickup, this white Ford pickup in the parking lot. And on the side of it, in black letters, it said Joe the Concrete Guy and a phone number. And for years I drove by and I would just get a chuckle out of it. I mean, it was just like, number one, it was the most effective marketing message ever. I mean, what do they do at Joe's company? <laughs> they do concrete work. Who does the concrete work? Joe. Like there's no confusing his brand, right? So a- after a couple of years of seeing this, one day I'm out in my driveway and I realize I need some steps poured at the end of my driveway. So I call up Joe, the concrete guy. In fact, I write about this whole story in my book, Consistency Selling, because it was just such a magnificent experience. But uh, I call Joe, he comes out to my house, and Joe looks exactly the way I expected him to look. He gets out of his truck, he's got a big bushy head of hair, a big bushy beard, t-shirt cutoffs, and flip-flops, right? Joe the concrete guys, there's nothing pretentious, there's nothing pushy, there's nothing snake oil about him, right? So we start talking about the project, and, and I show him the steps, and he gives me a uh, an estimate on the steps. And we're getting ready to do the paperwork on that. The steps are like $1,000 to pour the steps. And he's getting ready to do the paperwork, and he turns to me, and says, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, no, Joe, fire away. He says, why is your motorcycle trailer parked next to your driveway in the dirt and the rocks? And I looked over at him and I said, well, Joe, as you can plainly see, the driveway is not wide enough for the trailer. And Joe looks at me, Alan, and he says, you know, when I'm here pouring your steps, I could widen your driveway, right? And my budget went from $1,000 to $10,000 like that, right? So we do the paperwork. I'm like Joe, that was magnificent. You know, how did you, where'd you learn to do that? He says, well, you see my truck over there? I said, yeah. He said, what does it say on the side of it? I said, well, it says Joe the Concrete Guy. He goes, yeah, it says Joe the Concrete Guy. It doesn't say Joe the Concrete Plumbing, HVAC, Roofing, Window, uh, you know, Electrical Guy. He said, this is all I do. All I do is concrete work. And then he said the magic words. He said, I learned a long time ago, if I'm going to pay my bills and feed my family, my job is very simple. Every time I walk onto a piece of property. I look for every problem that concrete can solve. And I tell the homeowner about it. There's your sales mindset. There's nothing pushy. There's nothing high pressure. It's about going in and look for every problem that you can solve as an electrician, plumber, HVAC, whatever. Look for every problem you can solve and tell people about it. You know, and as, as my, my, my old friend Ron Collier used to say, if you give the information to the homeowner, they'll make the right decision for them. But the problem is, Alan, we go in so often with blinders on. And we go fix the one thing the homeowner calls about and we ignore everything else that we could solve for them. So the sales mindset is simply opening ourselves to the possibilities and accepting the responsibility of looking for every problem we can solve, tell the homeowner and let the chips fall where they may. It's such a simple concept. Love
0: it, Weldon. I love it. Um, last week, you also shared a story and this is this is very relevant to what you just discussed. You, you shared the story about a drain problem that you were having and you called the guy out and he and he cleared the drain and then it kept yeah. happening he come back and he kept clearing it maybe that that has got a very power because i'm a drain guy of course yeah. yeah that had a very powerful message to me and and i i can share many stories along the same lines but that was just it the drain guy should have really explored yeah. your problem and given you a solution and this is why I love the training that I get from Joe and uh, Joe Cunningham on um, you can't sell a solution to a customer for a problem. They don't know they have. Right. Right. So that's a a classic saying. So I'd like to keep going down this road because this is so important to our audience on what, what you've just discussed. Right.
1: Right. Well, and I'll get to the, to, to the metaphor you talked about earlier. You know, if I had a box here full of these motorcycle parts And piece by piece, part by part, I removed the contents of that box, uh, the the motorcycle components, right? The frame, the engine, the wheels, the tires, and I put it together. When I step back, when the box is empty and I step back to admire this beautiful mechanical creation, what are the odds I would have accidentally baked a cake out of the motorcycle parts? Well, (laughs) you can't do that, right? If it's a motorcycle in the box, it's a motorcycle outside the box. Well, that box is a metaphor for our mind. And the components of our lives are in there, our wealth, our relationships, our health, Everything is in there in the form of our decisions, our choices. Those are the components of our life. And neuroscientists estimate that we make thirty thousand little decisions every single day. So in my mind, every time we make a decision, a small decision, we are metaphorically reaching in the box and pulling out a piece of our lives. The question is, what's in the box? You know, and where did it come from? Because when you come into this world as a baby, you don't have any. You don't have any preconceptions about money or wealth or sales or anything. Right. You're just you're just an empty vessel and the world around you starts putting ideas in your box. Right. We learn through observation, things we hear. And when you're little, you don't challenge anything. If your dad tells you uh, you'll never amount to anything, that's the truth. Right. You believe that as gospel when you're a child. Right. And so we can get all these very negative ideas in there. And what happens? 18, 20 years old, we start pulling the same ideas right out of the box. So the question is, what's in the box? And I'll give you a perfect example. I've been speaking, as you know, for many, many years in small groups and large groups, and I always ask this simple question. I'm going to give the audience a word. So I'm going to give your listeners a word. We're going to do a quick game of word association. I'm going to give a word, and I want your listeners to think of what's the first one or two words that come to their mind, right? And the word is salesman, salesman. And I've been in a room of 5,000 people. I've been in a room with five people, and the numbers always bear it out. About two-thirds of people have a negative word come to mind when I say the word salesman, right? Pushy, snake oil, lazy, whatever, right? All these negative negative derogatory words. And then I'll say, well, how many of you who have these negative derogatory impressions of sales depend on sales to feed your family, right? The hands go right back up. How in the hell are you going to get good at sales? How in the hell are you going to get good at selling if fundamentally you believe sales is a dishonest, pushy, snake oil activity, right? You have to make sure that what's in the box, what's in the head is in alignment with what you're trying to do. So if I'm trying to be great at sales today, I got to have a belief system that sales is an honorable profession, right? Sales is about problem solving and and improving the quality of our customers' lives. I have to have positive beliefs about sales if I'm going to be my very best. Because if I'm out there trying to do it, but my core belief is, man, this sucks. I should have never left the installation department, right? I'm never going to get any good at it. So you have to make sure your core beliefs are consistent with what you're trying to do, you know, in your life. And, and, and so many people, I was I was doing a, an event one time, about 50 salespeople. And I did that exercise, and there's a woman in the very back row, and she's scribbling as fast as she can. When I said the word salesman, she's scribbling as fast as she can. And I said, ma'am, what, what did you write down there? Pushy sleazy, high pressure, lazy, irresponsible. I'm like, damn. I said, you know, I'm a salesperson you're talking about there. And she laughed. I said, man, by the way, what do you do here? She says, oh, I'm the VP of sales. Hmm. This is how she viewed her people and and what they did for a living. How the hell were they ever going to be the very best at it? It's impossible. You have to make sure what's in the box is consistent with what you're trying to do in your life. Because you're going to reach in that box thirty thousand times a day, and you damn well better know what's in there, and it better be something you put in there, not something somebody else put in there thirty years ago.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Look, when it comes to sales tradesmen, I mean, I, um, I mean, I've talked about this on a lot of previous episodes, but it's it's a really it's it's very relevant to um, where we're going with sales. I mean, I've trained myself and all the the great trainers i brought down under we've trained hundreds of technicians and uh most technicians they say well we didn't get into the trade to sell and and uh you know we don't want to be salesmen we just want to do our job now given that any company i work with you've got the guys that are fantastic at their craft okay and they really just want to They just want to either do the plumbing or the electrical or the HVAC. Then you've got guys that are really, they love to some people just love sales and let's face it, the money is phenomenal. Like the amount of money, if you can learn sales, the amount of money that you can make, and I'm hoping there's some listeners on this podcast that are not in the trade yet, because I want to encourage you to get in, um, learn the basics, and then, uh, you know, learn sales. So, one thing that I was taught was, you know, anyone that doesn't want to sell, well, don't fucking sell. Just you, you, you give the customer options to the problems that you find. You walk through. They, 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 they. You know, you do your inspection. You'll find things that genuinely need to be done. Don't ever sell anything to anyone that doesn't need. They're not going to benefit from, or they don't need. List out the options. Uh, list out what needs to be done show them what the problem is and give them some options some better better um best um scenarios and you don't need to sell because it's a fact that uh no one like like, yeah and and i'm sure the answer you got from that question you asked your audience was used car salesman that's what everyone always says that's what comes to mind well don't be the salesman they they didn't the, the, the customer didn't look up and go, go to a uh, Google and say, I want the best air conditioning salesman around. They they wanted someone that they perceive as a technician would come out, diagnose their problem, and then they get options. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'll tell everyone listening to this, you've got to get, you've got to, I've got to be clear here. Don't sell anything, but let customers, because people love to buy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes. Look for every problem that you can solve and let people know about it and shut the hell up. That's it. Yeah. You know, here, here's another metaphor that I'll, that I'll suggest for some of your listeners that maybe don't like the sales process. They got to think about it in terms of their responsibility. So imagine you have a problem with your shoulder and you go to the shoulder doctor, takes an x-ray, gives you a shot of cortisone, you're good as new. The very next day you have a massive heart attack, it almost kills you. It puts you in the intensive care unit. You're not sure if you're going to live or die. Your family's not sure. You're in there for weeks. You're not working. You're not making money. Your bills are piling up. It's causing a lot of stress in your life. And one day you're talking to your cardiologist. He says to you, man, it's, it's too bad. We we didn't know this heart attack was coming because I, I could have given you this, this, this clot busting pill right here and you would have avoided the heart attack. And you're like, yeah, I understand, doc, but I, had, I never saw this coming, right? So you're laying there for weeks. And one day you see the shoulder doctor walking past your hospital door. So you give him a shout out. Hey, shoulder doc, and he looks in. He sees you all up on the, the 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 machines and all the tubes. He said, "Man, what the hell happened to you?" And you said, "Doc, it's the craziest thing. The day after you fixed my shoulder, I had a massive heart attack. Damn near killed me. I've been here for three weeks." And the shoulder doc looks. He looks at you and says, "Well, I'm not the least bit surprised. I thought you were going to have a heart attack the day you were in my office." And you said, "Doc, you knew I was fixing to have a heart attack." He says a first-year medical student could see you were fixed to have a heart attack. Your heart rate was arrhythmic. Your blood pressure was through the roof. He goes, to be honest with you, I was surprised you made it back to your car. And you say, Doc, why didn't you tell me I was fixed to have a freaking heart attack? They could have given me this clot-busting pill and saved all this trauma. And he looks at you and he says, hey, you came to see me about your shoulder. How would you feel about that doctor if he knew you were going to have a heart attack and didn't tell you? Right. Because we have an expectation from professionals that if I call you about one problem, but you see a freaking heart attack, tell me. But how many times do we walk in the house and we go straight to the shoulder problem and we ignore the heart attacks? Right. See, we have a professional responsibility. Forget sales. Forget selling. It's about your professional responsibility. And you may bullshit yourself into thinking you're being high and mighty and sanctimonious by not selling. The reality is you are not fulfilling your responsibility to your customers. If there are issues that you know about and you don't tell them, shame on you. Hallelujah, my friend. Hallelujah. It's like, it's
0: when you think about it, it just makes sense. I mean, I I a horror story that I had a few years back, we, because we, we, we used to do a, a lot of, um, Big drain jobs, you know, like some of our jobs would be anywhere from a couple of thousand to hundreds of thousands of dollars with trenchless technology. We had a customer that had been using us for years. They had a drain problem. My guys went out, offered him a solution. It was a, it was probably a fifteen thousand dollar job, not a, not a major, majorly big one for him. It was, um, and uh, we fixed that problem. Beautiful job. Gave us all the reviews. Then uh, got a phone call from him a couple of weeks later, and he said, "Uh, Alan, I'm really pissed off. Um, I've got blocked drains again, but on the other side of the house. And I'm going, holy shit. The very first thing I do is teach my guys to check the entire house, do the inspection, make sure everything's right. He was so pissed off. He said, now I've got to pay another 15 grand to get that fixed. He never used us again. All because my technician was too. Right. He said, and, and my guys would say, oh, you know, they've just spent fifteen grand. Um, you know, we don't want to put anything else on them. Well, I said, how would you know? Did you even offer it to him? No, no. We because and I, I had this great conversation yesterday. Most of the time, it's the salesman's fear of price which stops him from right. presenting more options. It's it's yeah. the it's the box. It's the yeah, it's exactly what you've
1: said. You know, you mentioned earlier the situation in my house, and so I'll give just your listeners a real quick account of that. I live in an old home. It's three levels, 7,000 square feet. And down here in the man cave in my basement, there's two bathrooms. And for uh, for a long time, the, the, the toilets would gurgle. They'd clog up every now and then. The shower would clog up. And I had the drain cleaner come out. And he didn't want to be a salesman. He thought he was doing me a favor, Alan. He thought he was doing me a favor. He cleared the drain for a couple hundred bucks. And you know what he tells me? He says, you know, you're probably, with these old trees out here in this neighborhood, you probably got, but you know what? Your main line's probably screwed up, but you're better off just paying me a couple hundred bucks because we guarantee it for six months, right? I'm like, well, that sounds cheap. That sounds good, right? He didn't want to be a salesman. And that worked for a few years until it stopped working. And one day I was out on the road or one week I'm out of the road. And when I'm down here, my family's not down here in a man cave. And for that week, I was gone. The main line had stopped up. Every time somebody flushed the toilet or took a shower upstairs, it was backing up into the basement. And by the time I got home, my bar was flooded. One of the bedrooms, the entire air was flooded. And the part of the story I didn't tell you, Alan, before, that was about three weeks before the the senior U.S. Open uh, golf tournament here at the Broadmoor where we live. And we were hosting one of the golfers. And three weeks before the tournament, we had shit flooding the basement right my wife was just through the roof so not only did we we were able to get it done just in time but it was a much bigger problem to fix under those circumstances than just that fi- but this guy thought he was doing me a favor and i bet he went home every night and said thank god i'm not a salesman i'm not one of those pushy dishonest salesmen look how good i am guy calls me all kind of bullshit problems right so that th- that is a cop out that is because people are afraid to sell they 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 j- they don't have the confidence to sell so what do they do i'm better than all that it's bullshit
0: it's absolute bullshit and something that you and me are so far on the same page, but we've, look, we've been doing this, you know, we've both, we we both preach from experience. We're not, yeah. we're not textbook um, coaches. We are, we've actually owned service companies. I mean, our business was, you know, when I exited, we were approaching two and a half three million a half, $3 million a month in, in revenue. Half of that was drains. Um, it was um, a very, good business because we grew the drain division and 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 uh drains and if that sort of shit that i mean the story i just shared was very similar to the story you shared so i hope that anyone that's in the drain business listening to this podcast pays a fucking attention to that one so but look weldon um we're getting towards the end of the podcast this has been absolutely amazing and i finish every podcast with um What what's one book that is really that you may be reading at the moment, or that's really impressed you? That's maybe um, turned your life around, or something you'd like to recommend to our listeners, buddy?
1: Well, I will say there's two. Number one, the book that changed my life was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey, and I read that book. I started the day after my the day my father died. A few hours later, not knowing Dr. Covey would become a friend and a mentor many years later. Uh, He endorsed my first two books before he passed away. I got a chance to speak with him and uh, that book was transformative for me. But I will tell you, there's another one on my desk right here and it's called Mind is the Master. And it's a collection of James Allen uh, essays from 150 years ago. And the book is amazing. I'll show it to you right here. It's a little light reading. It's about a thousand pages, but you can go into (laughs) any essay and you can read one or two lines and your mind will explode. Because wow. he was so brilliant in and, and distilling complex issues down to a few words, right? I was reading one yesterday. Uh, dispersion is weakness. Concentration is power. Six freaking words that spell everything about success. Dispersion is weakness, right? Scatterbrain, over here, over there. Concentration, focus, is power. And it, it's that kind of stuff. So that's one of my favorites. It stays here on my desk. I look at it. Virtually every day, if not every day, I've also got a copy of E Myth Contractor right here that I love to go through because <laughs> I'm in the contracting side of the business too. And uh, that was a, a groundbreaking book for me. I read it, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago on an airplane when I had my first HVAC company. I was going to Hawaii and I read it. I'm like, holy shit, I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> so uh, it was really impactful in my life. The E Myth, I've read. I, 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 have you read Ken Goodrich's version? The E Myth. I have not. I have not. I've it, seen it on on it social is- media. It f- is.
0: Fan friggin I'll be having Ken on the podcast hopefully soon. That okay. is one hell of a book. And I've got the, read the book and I've listened. I, I listen to a lot of books on Audible. But The Seven Habits of Highly Effective, one of the best, one of the best, and one yeah. of the first that I read, it sounds like we read the same books. I haven't got that that big Bible of yours there, but uh, that looks like a beauty. Um, and the other thing I had a, a really great guest on a couple of weeks back, a a lovely lady by the name of Lee Multier, who is is um, she said she's very very similar topics to you. She's mindset. And uh, success is an inside job. So it's great to have someone like Lee and then yourself on this uh, on this podcast. So I want to thank you again, buddy. This has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I always say I, pro- I get more out of these podcasts just by the great people I get to meet. And, uh, you know, you share wisdom with me. And, look, this is, uh, it, it, you know, we we all try to lift each other up, right? You know, we're for what's best for the industry. And uh, I love your work. Keep up the great work. Thanks again. And just to conclude, um, how can anyone that wants to get
1: a hold of Weldon Long get a hold of Weldon Long? Well, it's very high, hard to hide from the internet. The easiest way is uh, WeldonLong.com, dot gcom And by the way, if your listeners want some free videos on the mindset and the sales process, they can text my name, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N, to 72,000. So you text to 72,000, and type the name Weldon, and you'll get some videos that uh, we, we prepared for mindset and sales uh, for folks in our industry.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, really appreciate your time, Weldon. Thanks for everyone tuning in to uh, this very special uh, episode of Pipeline to Profitability, uh, proudly sponsored by Service Success Academy. Thanks, Weldon.
1: Thank you, Alan. Great to see you, my friend.
0: Cheers, buddy.